Have you built your house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Are you excited that you have built your house on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Uh, there is no other rock which is sand. All, in fact, all other ground is sinking sand. And so we build our house on a firm foundation. And so that's what I want to be. That's, that's who I want you to be. Us to be is strong, committed followers of Jesus Christ with our foot set on a firm foundation. That this belief that we have is not sort of some sort of blind faith where we just kind of hope everything is true, uh, but we stand on solid ground. On solid ground. And so when the things of life come against us, and from time to time um, there are circumstances in their life that just piles up on us and comes against us, or maybe uh, we have trouble defending our faith. You know, what if this person asks me and I, this, and I don't know what the answer is. And we know that we are standing on a firm foundation. And we might, we might not know the exact answer in that moment about what to do, but we know who our answer is. And that answer is Jesus Christ. And so we stand firmly on that rock, that it doesn't shake our faith when anything happens. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 to 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me, and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He has set my feet on solid ground, steadied me as I walked along. Sometimes in our walk, we want to wobble a little bit. He steadies us as we walk along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Amen. So even there, there are some people who may see some of us and the solid rock that we stand, and they go, wow, there's something different about them. It's like, you know, from time to time, yeah, their world seems to crumble, but, but they're steady. How is that? And we're a witness to them, and they may come to the Lord. So that's why we live out our faith, and we share our faith, and, and that sort of thing. And so we started where, uh, where we should start, probably, with the Word of God. And so this is a, kind of a different series where it's not a series that kind of flows along perfectly. We, there, we talk about one thing two consecutive weeks. And so the last two weeks we talked about the Bible, how that from a historical point of view, and then also from a spiritual one of, point of view, we know that this is the Word of God. And it wasn't tainted, uh, that it was God that spoke. Uh, this is the Word of God, so you can put your faith and trust in this. And so in everything, in any situation, somebody coming against you, life comes uh, at you, what does the Word of God have to say? What does this Bible have to say? And that's what we ask. Well, you know, we don't just, uh, well, I wonder what culture says, or I wonder what my friend thinks, or I wonder, you know, this experience that I had. This is what we stand on right here, the Word of God. So we talked about the Bible this week. And next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Once again, another doctrine that we as Christians, not just the symbols of God, but we as Christians stand on. And we stand on that Holy Trinity. Now, we in this room would say, yes, I, I believe in the Trinity. And then someone were to say, well, can you explain the Trinity to me? And, and, and we're like, uh, well, uh, it's a, uh, um, and then we say, you know, it's like three in one. You know, it's like three in one. You're like, yeah, but what, what does that mean? What, what do you mean by the Trinity? And you say, well, it's like three in one. It's like three in one. Okay, that, that's a shampoo, okay? What is God, okay? We're not talking about, like, what, what is, okay? That's what we're going to talk about here today, okay? So, <clears throat> to put it simply, his, uh, he has, God is three persons 
in one being, okay? Three persons in one being. And we can understand this a little bit because we are that as well. We are, we are one person and one being as well. Okay, so you look at me and so what kind of being am I? Thanks for the vote of confidence, guys. I'm a human being, okay? Maybe some of y'all disagree, okay? I am a human being, okay? That's what I am. So I am a what. The what I am is a human being. That's the what. But I'm not just a what. I'm also a who. Who am I? I am Adam Fithin, okay? So I am a what, but that I'm also a who. And so you, we look at you. I think that y'all are human beings, and y'all are great ones at that. Um, so you are that what as well, but you're a different who, okay? You're Alan Polk. You're not Adam Fithin. You are Alan Polk. And so even though we are the same being, we're a different who. Does that make sense? So in the fact that we are one being and one person, God is one being and three persons, okay? So let's look at that here today. Today we're going to look at the doctrine of the Trinity and maybe answer some tough questions that maybe we have had in the past or someone else may have um, for us. Next week we're going to look at how really our entire life is wrapped up in the Trinity and how much we need him, okay? So, that, so this week and then next week, okay? So some tough questions that maybe you have heard about the Trinity, not quite sure how to answer it. Maybe someone has said, well, the word Trinity isn't even in the Bible, so why do you believe that? And you're like, oh, it, like Romans? No, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. So how, how do you guys believe that then? Okay? Maybe you have a question like, didn't Jesus say in John 14, 28? Some people will like bring out scripture for you. John 14, 28, the Father is greater than I. Well, wait, if the Father is greater than Jesus, then how is he equal with God? And it, even if he is a God, isn't he like a little God, like a half God? Is that, is that what Jesus is trying to say here? Wouldn't that mean that Jesus is not quite, right? He's greater than I. What is the Holy Spirit? I hear you people talking about that, okay? Is that like the force in Star Wars? Like what exactly, what are we talking about here, okay? Like this, this Holy Spirit, what is that? Is it some sort of electricity or energy? Is it like a ghost? Like what are we talking about when we say the Holy Spirit? And then finally... Why didn't Jesus just say, hey guys, I'm God, by the way, just to kind of clear it up for everyone? Like, that would make it so much easier if Jesus had just come out and said, I'm God. Like, that would have just made it so much easier for everybody else. Why didn't he do that? So some of these tough questions were like, how would you respond if someone were to say that? So we're going to look at the doctrine of the Trinity, not from what we think or an example of we heard the Trinity is kind of, sort of like this, but not really. Okay, we're going to look at what the Bible says about the Trinity, okay? Not just what we have heard or what we think or an example. What does the Bible say? And then we're going to answer these tough questions, all right? So, three statements that the Bible makes about the Trinity and who and what this Trinity is, okay? God is three persons, Okay? The Bible will uh, tell us this here in just a minute. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. Fully God. Okay? And also, there is one God. So God is three persons. Each person is fully God. And there is one God. Now, the Bible, if you're like, that almost sounds contradictory. What? Now, if the Bible can show us that all those things are true... 
then that's going to let us know what that trinity is, okay? There is one what, there are three who's. James White, in his book, The Forgotten Trinity, he says, within the one being, there exists three co-equal and eternal persons, okay? That is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, okay? So let's look at God is three persons, okay? The reason why we want to look at that God is three persons is because this, that goes against some teaching that says, well, when he needs to be God the Father, he kind of manifests himself and like morphs into God the Father. And then when he needs to be the Son, then he kind of morphs in over here. And then when he needs to be the Holy Spirit, okay, we don't believe that. We believe that there are three persons within this, okay? So let's see what that looks like. Matthew chapter 3. Maybe this is the first verse that you thought of. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, so Jesus is there. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. So you have God the Son being baptized, God the Spirit descending like a dove, and you have God the Father speaking from heaven. Three different distinct persons all going on at the same time. Okay? So that's, that's one verse that helps us see that there are three persons. Okay? Acts chapter 2. This is right after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter is talking. God, that's God the Father, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. So there's God's right hand, and then this Jesus is exalted to God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see here today. So God the Father is in heaven. God the Son is exalted to the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out to us here today. Three different persons. Three different persons. In Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. And then God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Typically, when you see Scripture, you'll see some kind of shorthand. So you'll see the Spirit of God, or maybe even the presence of God in some places. That's talking about the Spirit. And then you've got, when it says Lord, typically, it's talking about Jesus Christ. And then if you just see the word God, typically, depending on if, what it's talking about, they're talking about God the Father there. So in, in this verse, Paul understands that there is... Uh, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 1. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. So God knew you, but the Spirit made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So here you've got that each different person has different roles, it seems, to play in this. You start kind of expanding it a little bit, okay? And then finally, John, chapter 14. But this is Jesus talking. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative. You see the three different there? God, the Father sends the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, 
as my representative, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Once again, some roles. You've got God the Father, who's already sent God the Son, and I've already told you this. I'm going to go away, then he's going to send the Holy Spirit to tell you it again. So there's three different persons within the Godhead. You see that? There's three different. There seems to be different roles, but they also seem to be working together. It's not like one doesn't know what the other one's doing, okay? They seem to be working together, okay? So this God in three persons, but they have a cohesive relationship that's working together, okay? So God is three persons. Now we look, each person is fully God. Each person is fully God. Let's look first at God the Father. I don't think I have to do a lot of uh, convincing you that God the Father is fully God, but here we go. (laughs) Exodus chapter 3, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God has also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That is God the Father speaking, and he is fully God, as he says. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Once again, you see that there's two there, but all praise to God the Father. Okay, And then even uh, David sings a song in Psalm 89. And he will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I'm thankful that he is the rock of our salvation. So God the Father is fully... God. All right? Next up. Do I need to convince you that Jesus is God? Yes, I do? Okay, great. We're going to look at the Word of God. Because the Word of God is going to tell us that Jesus is God. John chapter 1. I read this last week. In the beginning, okay, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we've got two of them here. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Bible says. He was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him anything that was made was not made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So who was the word? Jesus Christ. And the word was God. John here clearly says that Jesus is Fully God. Colossians chapter 2. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. That's going to happen, right? You're going to hear a lot of things. Well, Jesus wasn't really God. It was kind of a da-da-da-da. And and they're going to sound very nice and they use big words so you can't refute. Okay, That's that's what he's trying to say. That's part of what he's trying to say here. Okay, Don't listen to that nonsense. (laughs) This is what the NLT says. Don't listen to that nonsense, okay? For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. 
That's the language that the Bible uses. The Bible says uh, in the fullness that he is God, that he is God fully. Sometimes we, we like to say that he was 100% God and he was 100% man. And that it's right-ish, that adds up to 200%. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, so, it, it's, so that makes it a little confusing. So when we say he was fully God and fully man, that's the language that the Bible uses. So that's, that's, the, one, that's the one that I'm most comfortable with saying. That he was fully God in human body. So he's fully God. Titus chapter 2. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. The glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That word and in the Greek there is it's a connecting word. So it's not like our great God and Savior. That's not what it's saying, okay? It's not trying to separate, okay? It's a, it's a connecting. So these two are talking about the same person, okay? So we've got, it's not great God and Savior, it's great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not just God, a, this great God. So it's not like a lesser God. He is great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The fullness of God once again here. John chapter 8. The people said, the Pharisee, or he was talking to the Pharisees, and he was saying that he was before uh, that he was before Abraham, that Jesus was before Abraham. The people said, You aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Now, Jesus was not making a grammatical error here, okay? It should be, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I was. That's how you grammatically say that. I was. Okay? But that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. We can understand that if I was to say to you, especially... Those, those Americans in the room, born in America, right? America. If I was to say, do you guys believe in we the people? Okay, that, that sentence is not grammatically correct. But you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you guys believe in we the people? Yeah, we are. We the people, okay? So it's not about being grammatically correct. It's about what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying is, before Abraham was, was even born, I am. So i got to read it to you again. Exodus chapter 3, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Jesus is claiming that he was God. And in case you're like, well, are you sure? The, Jew, the Jewish people, the Pharisees, knew what he was saying. Kind of like when I say, we the people, you know what I'm saying? When he said, I am, what did they try to do? They tried to kill him. That was blasphemy. He's making himself equal to God. When he said that they picked up stones, this was not like rocks to say, hey, get out of here. No, they were picking up stones to stone him, to kill him, because in their eyes he was blaspheming. He was raising himself up to the level of God. And you don't do that to them. 
it is very clear what Jesus was saying. Now, did Jesus make a mistake? Did he mess up? Does he say it again, maybe? John chapter 13, I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. You welcome me, you welcome the Father. We're in connection here, okay? And he says, I am the Messiah. Jesus is, not was, Jesus is fully God. And then later, this is in one day, but in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who, who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Jesus is God, fully and truly. And we can stand on this word. He was not just a good teacher. He was not just a nice guy. They don't typically try to stone good teachers or nice guys. He was claiming to be God, and he is God. Finally, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. So now, we're thinking, okay, I kind of get the Father-Son. There's kind of a relationship there. I kind of get that. Who, who's this guy? The Holy Spirit? Like, where did he come from? It was just like, he was a handful of times, it seems, in the Old Testament, and then all of a sudden, we've got Jesus talking about this Holy Spirit that's going to come. Matthew chapter 28, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this is before the Holy Spirit has fully come and poured out and all of this, okay? He says he is, well, he is elevating, he has already been elevated, to the level, to the status that God the Father has, that God the Son has, the Holy Spirit has that same status. He was not saying the uh, name of the Father and the Son and the apostles or the disciples or the early church or whatever pope comes around. Uh, okay, that's not what he's saying. He said the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is that he says baptizing them in the name of, doesn't say names of, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So even though there's, he's talking about three persons, he uses the singular name, which once again reinforces one God. One God and then three persons here in Matthew. In Mark 13, For the good news must first be preached to all nations, but when you are arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just ask, or I'm sorry, just say what God tells you at the time. What God tells you at the time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit. In the same sentence, just say what God tells you at the time, for it will not be you speaking, it will be the Holy Spirit that is speaking. The Holy Spirit is God. That's who he's talking about. Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. I've never talked more about the Ananias and Sapphira than I have the last couple of weeks. What in the world? This story keeps coming back. I, I have no idea. But here we are, okay? To remember the story, there were, there were a few people, there were several people that were selling 
property, and they were bringing it to the disciples, laying it at, at, laying it at the disciples' feet, giving them all the money. So Ananias and Sapphira, they decide, well, we're going to sell some property, but we're going to give them some of the money, but say that it's all the money. Okay? So they, they lie. Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to the Holy Spirit. This is Peter talking. Okay? So before, this is Jesus talking. Okay, well, Jesus, he talks about, like, lofty things. He talks about stuff up here, okay? Here's Peter. Here's a disciple. Here's an apostle. And he's telling his understanding. You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself, the property was yours to sell or sell, not as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Peter's understanding, the early churches and the early apostles' understanding is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Fully, fully God. Even David had some understanding. Psalm 139, verse 7, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. There's this word called omnipresence, which is this theological term that means that God is everywhere. David, on some level, understood that there was a Holy Spirit that is everywhere. Well, that word is only reserved for God. Okay? The Holy Spirit is fully God. God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. Finally, there is one God, and this is very important. There is one God. We are we monotheists, okay? One God. We do not serve three gods. There are not three gods. There is one God, and the Bible tells this. 1 Kings chapter 8. May these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's need, so that all the peoples of earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. There is no other God but our God. Isaiah speaks to this several times. I picked one, Isaiah 44. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last Apart from me, there is no God. There is no other God. If God doesn't know about any other gods, then there are no other gods. If God's everywhere, okay? So you, you may quickly ask, well, what about these other gods in the Bible? Wasn't there Ra and Baal and some of these others? These little G gods? Some of those gods were human inventions, okay? They, they wanted somebody to give credit to, so they made up some gods. In other situations... Most likely, they were demons behind the face of a god. So that they, that's why there were some sub- supernatural things that were able to happen. And so they were hiding behind this idea of God, this little g. But there is only one God. One God. Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. So you've got Moses talking about this, you've got Isaiah talking about this, you've got Peter talking about this, Matthew talking about this, Paul, John. Everybody's talking about this. Moses. Everybody is talking about this in the same direction. This isn't one author. This goes back to two weeks ago. Inspired by the Word of God. So here's this idea there is one God. Well, that's in the Old Testament. Is it there in the New Testament? Sure is. James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that God is one? 
you do well. Even the, even the demons believe and shudder. So even demons know that there are one God. And they shudder to that one God. And he reinforces this. You believe that God is one? You do well. You are believing correctly. There is one God. So these true statements that affirm the Trinity. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. And there is one God. There is one God. There seems to be different roles that they, that they do. But there is one God. There are in three persons. And each person is fully God. And we can stand on that belief. So what about some of these tougher questions? Why isn't the word Trinity even in the Bible? Trinity is not even in the Bible. So how can you believe this? You're right, it's not. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word Trinity, that word, first of all, is English. <laughs> okay, uh, It's a theological term meant to describe everything that we just talked about. Okay, So if someone were to ask you that, say, do you believe that God is all-powerful? Yes. Do you believe that God is everywhere? Yes. Do you believe that God is all-knowing? Yes. Okay, there are words for that. Omnipotence, omnipres omnipresent, and omniscient. Those words are not in the Bible either. But we believe that because the elements are there and we have a word to describe that. Okay? You're not going to find omnipotence in the Bible, but you are going to find how that Jesus is all-powerful or that God is all-powerful. Didn't Jesus say in John 14, 28 that the Father is greater than I? Well, how does that work? Well, let's turn there. Let's look at it. John 14, 28. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Like I said, there are roles that each of them play. In the Godhead, they are one being, but in the persons, they perform, there are different roles that each of them have. And at this moment, Jesus, as the Bible says, emptied himself to be human. In fact, it's not in your notes, but I put it here just in case I wanted it. Philippians 2, uh, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So in the personhood, there are different roles that take place, but they are the same in being. Many of you know Tim Barker, right? He is the superintendent of the South Texas District. Okay, so he's over all the churches in Houston, San Antonio, all these things, okay? As far as a human being, me and him are the same. We're both human beings. We're both the same at the foot of the cross. We're human beings. He's not more special than me. I'm not more special than him. But in role, I am the pastor of one church. He is over many churches. And so, to some degree... I can answer to him in some things, right? Because he is above me in that role. But as human beings, we are the same. And so in this sense, Jesus is saying, I'm going to humble myself, being born in the likeness of men, and your will, not my will, be done. It's just an issue of role here. So see, a lot of times we have these questions, and we're not quite sure how to answer. There is an answer. We just need to look for it in the Word of God, right? So what is the Holy Spirit? Is he some sort of black smoke? Is he like the black smoke like in Lost? 
remember that show? Anyway. Is he like a smoke going around? There's electricity in it? Like, like what is this? Luke, let me just tell you, he is a person within the Godhead. Luke chapter 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Okay, we didn't say in the power of the power. So he's not just some sort of power that's out there. He didn't return in the power of the power. He returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said. He spoke. He's a, he's a person. Smoke or power or electricity does not speak. He's a person. Okay? In Matthew 3, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews 10, you can insult the Holy Spirit. You can't do those things to a power. You can't do a person. So the Holy Spirit is a person within the Godhead, one of the three persons. Why didn't Jesus just say, I'm God? That would have made it a whole lot easier, right? Hopefully you know the answer to this. He did say, he did say when he said, I am. In fact, let me just tell you my favorite time he said, I am. John chapter 18, Jesus, knowing all that was going, going to happen, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. That's who we want. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, when has ever a, 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 anybody said a word, said a phrase, and Roman soldiers fell over? Like, that doesn't happen. But when he spoke... When the Son of God spoke, I am He, soldiers drew back. They fell back. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. Church, we can stand firmly on this Trinity. Because we can stand firmly on the Word of God. And I can tell you, God the Father loves you orchestrates and plans, calls, and one day glorifies you. God the Son loves you. He died for you. He brings new life. He heals and He delivers you. God the Holy Spirit loves you. He leads and guides, guides and dwells and fills and comforts you. That is our God. So when we, when we read Psalm 40... I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Church, you can put your trust in the Lord. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you would stand this morning, we're just going to simply lift up a praise to Him because He is worthy of praise, right? He is worthy of praise. I am so thankful for this one God in three persons who are fully God. So would you just begin to speak to Him right now? You can begin to talk to Him right now. God, thank You. Lord, we love You. We praise You. Just worship Him. We love You, God. Lord, we lift you up. 
thank you, Lord, that we can look into your word and we can see and we can know and we can stand on solid ground of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this solid ground that we can stand. We're going to lift up a praise to him this morning in song. If you want prayer for anything, please come. I'll be down here at the altar. If you have anything you want to pray about. But while that is going on, we lift up a praise to the Lord in a song. It talks about what, who we believe, what we believe. Let's sing. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Sometimes it's good just to sing out what we believe, you know? Sing out that we, we love Him. And if that love is connected to something, solid rock, firm foundation, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. Do you believe in that? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe that God is coming back? We're going to live with Him one day forever. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love what I believe, but what I believe is connected to something, a firm, firm foundation. Thank you so much for coming today. Next week, we're going to talk about it one more step, how we are wrapped up in this trinity. The trinity wraps us up, I guess I should say. Uh, so thank, thankful for you guys coming today. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for the trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would walk out of here today knowing that we are on a firm foundation. And if we start to walk a, a little wobbly, Lord, you, you straighten us up. <laughs> and we thank you for that, God. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.